With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Come up with a poll question. Got Fritzy's random thoughts like this one. I hope LeBron James plays another year or two, plays well into his 40s, eventually stop acting like we've somehow disrespected him. Is that how you really feel? It's an important option to have there in the poll. All right. I will leave it at that. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. <laughs> By the way, can we put, is it uh, Janet Jackson who give a, gave us Rhythm Nation? Is that is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. With her outfit? Can we do a side-by-side with what LeBron <laughs> wore last night and what Janet Jackson wore Five, in that video? Four, three, <laughs> two, one. Uh, before we get to Mike Florio, your Saquon Barkley poll question suggestion? Saquon Barkley should keep pushing for more money, ask for a trade, prepare to hold out. Take the Giants off and accept running backs are a dime a dozen these days. All right. Let's bring in Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live co-host. And uh, this is such an important topic. Mike, joining us from vacation to talk about this. The last vacation you're going to have until after the Super Bowl. All right. Let's start with Saquon Barkley. The latest report, Giants offered $13 million. He wants $16 million. Can they settle somewhere in between and this all goes away? One thing to remember, Dan, that offer of $13 million was made before they applied the franchise tag to Saquon Barkley. What they wanted to do was get him signed long-term and tag Daniel Jones. When that didn't work, they signed Daniel Jones, tagged Saquon Barkley, and pulled their offer. So back before the tag was applied, it was 16, I'm told, that Barkley wanted, 13 that the Giants were offering. And neither number is unreasonable. I know Barkley claims it's all a lie. I mean, it's not like it's 26 and 23 that are out there. These are realistic numbers that he should want. Now the question is, what do the Giants do when they know they have his rights for this year at 10.1 and they could squat on him next year at just a 20% raise? Total payout of 22.22 million over two years if they want to go year to year under the tag. That's what the Giants have in their pocket. All Barkley has is the threat to not show up. Yeah. And the problem is the deadline for doing a long-term deal is Monday. After Monday, they can't do a long-term deal. They're going to do a one-year deal. So now is the time for Barkley to huff and puff because after Monday, he's got no real leverage because he can't get a long-term deal. He's got leverage, but he's not using it for anything because nothing he says or does will get him that long-term contract after Monday. Now's the time to make his play. Paulie has a suggestion on how we get running backs paid. Paul, you let Mike be the judge. Yeah. Okay, Mike, this is what I would want if I were running backs and the NFLPA. When running backs are drafted out of college, especially first round running backs, their contract is three years, not no option for the fourth, no fifth. Right now it's four with an option for a fifth, which is very team friendly. Like Saquon has had five years. So their first contract, especially for first round running backs, is three years, which gets them to their second contract possibly two years earlier, makes them more valuable and more likely to sign. This is what I'd want if I were running backs and the NFLPA. I think you're absolutely right. And look, you could make the argument the running backs should have their own bargaining unit. They shouldn't be part of the NFL Players Association. They should have their own separate thing, their own separate deal. 
And that was tried a few years ago. It went nowhere. But you can make the argument that the running backs should be on their own, their own group. An argument and a suggestion that Chris Sims initially threw out there several months ago, and I've been pushing it, the idea that that there should be a league-wide fund that's available to pay running backs early in their careers as they're producing, because the the best running backs are are boom right away. They're automatic. They're obvious. They're great. And then by the time they're due to get paid, they've they've worn a lot of uh, of the the you know the rubber off the tires, and and teams are thinking we'll just go draft another one. So I'd like to find a way to get guys paid as they earn, as they perform, as they produce. But again, you got to get the union on board, you got to get the league on board. That's the biggest challenge: getting the powers that be to recognize it's an issue that needs to be addressed, and hopefully they eventually will. Well, we brought this up uh, a couple of years ago that maybe we have quarterbacks who are treated separate. So a separate cap for your quarterback, because that's where all the money is going. And then, therefore, you have more resources to spend on the rest of the team. And then maybe running backs do get compensated. But if a quarterback's going to make 50 or $60 million, then maybe you don't have, you know, the Giants. What, what, what they did with Daniel Jones is idiotic, in my opinion, because they could have gotten him for a whole lot less. Didn't You know, there was no leverage there. Uh, but I'm wondering if we could do that, a, a salary cap for quarterbacks. Consider this. When the schedule comes out, all the great games are driven by the quarterbacks, and they completely reshuffle the deck based upon, is Tom Brady retired? Is Tom Brady not retired? They admit that they did that in 2022. He retired from the Buccaneers. Okay, who cares about Tampa Bay games? Oh, wait, now he's back. we got to jam Tampa Bay games into primetime. It shows you how valuable quarterbacks are, not just to their team, but to the entire production. So if we're going to talk about league-wide funds, you know, and this is one of the ways they hold Patrick Mahomes down, and he's content with it because he wants to win. But Patrick Mahomes is far more valuable than $45 million per year to the game, not just to the Chiefs, but to the Shield and to every game they put on and all the money they're bringing in. The great quarterbacks are always going to be woefully underpaid and subsidize everyone else in a salary cap system. So you're on to something. But again, the league's got to be willing to do it. <laughs> the union's got to push it. And good luck getting either of those things to happen. How does the NFL, I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe this, ask, force, encourage the Jets to be on hard knocks? Well, they came up with a rule 10 years ago or so where you're exempt if you have a first-year head coach, you have been to the playoffs each of the last two years, and or if you've done hard knocks the last 10 years. So there were four teams this year that fell into the category of teams that couldn't say no. The league decided collectively there will be teams that can't say no. This year it was the Bears, the Saints, the Commanders, and the Jets. And the Jets didn't want to do it. I mean, this is the first time in the history of hard knocks you're getting a team that didn't want to do it. And if you want reality TV, that's reality. Well, can a they? Team that can they? Want to do it? Yeah, can they? That's what I'd love to see. If hard knocks is there, but they don't cooperate with hard knocks. Well, and I think at some point they're just going to have to. They're going to have to submit to it. It's going to be harder to fight it than to just acknowledge the cameras <laughs> are here and this is going to be a distraction. Dan, I think the biggest problem is this. Whoever makes the decisions about what the Jets are going to allow into the final program had better be damn sure Aaron Rodgers is okay with anything involving him because they may guess wrong and then they got a problem with Aaron Rodgers and the honeymoon is over just like that. I would want Rodgers sitting there watching the final cut and giving me up or down on anything he likes or doesn't like. That's the only way to avoid a problem. And I think that's one of the reasons they don't want to do it because they could get sideways with Aaron Rodgers, remember when they did the last time there was that scene where Antonio Cromartie couldn't remember the names of his kids, and and the Jets let that go in. I know, I know. I mean, the, the the teams we learned that years ago. The teams have final say over this. Well, they better exercise it in a way that doesn't offend the delicate genius known as Aaron Rodgers. He's Mike Florio. <laughs> Your love affair continues with uh, <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers, Pro Football Talk Live co-host and uh, contributor, NBC Football Night America. Summarize this ESPN expose on Daniel Snyder and John Gruden and his law, John Gruden's lawsuit here. Well, you know, the headline is that the release of the John Gruden emails was the first domino that led to Daniel Snyder being forced to sell. 
But if you're following the story carefully, you already knew that. He was free and clear. It was over. It was done. The wrist slap had been administered to Dan Snyder. The investigation report had been brushed under the rug. It was over. When the Gruden emails came out and he got forced out of a job, that dusted everything up again. Congress got involved. And then one thing leads to another and Snyder sells. The bigger issue is the John Gruden lawsuit over who leaked the emails. Now, John Gruden is not going to be a sympathetic figure because he wrote the emails. And many will say he got what he deserved. But when you have a stack, a gigantic stack, Dan, of 650,000 emails and a small handful of them get pulled out and weaponized to take a guy out, someone decided we're going to take these emails out of this stack, we're going to give them to the media, and we know what's going to happen. Mark Davis is not going to be able to continue to employ him. That's where this whole thing blows up. And this gets back to the fight. Every time the NFL gets sued, they try to pull it into arbitration where they can keep it all secret and they can stack the deck in their favor. And that's where Gruden's case is still hung up more than a year later. Is it going to be in open court or is it going to be in the NFL's private arbitration system? And if it's in open court, John Gruden gets the chance, Dan, to go all the way back down the digital rabbit hole. Who ultimately was the one that forwarded the email to the Wall Street Journal first, the New York Times second. He's going to find out. And one of the quotes that really got my attention in that story, he wants to burn the NFL's house down. Now, that doesn't mean the whole game. He means the league office. He wants to take out Roger Goodell. He wants to take out Dan Snyder if he can, if it turns out Snyder was the one that leaked the emails. And Dan, if Snyder was the one, he may he may have to worry about a prosecution because he under oath testified to Congress he didn't do it. If Gruden proves he did, there's going to be a perp walk. There's going to be a trial. There's going to be incarceration. Of <laughs> Mike, Snyder. Mike, this is better than hard knocks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's more likely to get signed first, Dalvin Cook or D. Hopkins? Good question. And anytime someone says good question, that means they're just buying time to come up with an answer. <laughs> I, I think that it's probably going to be Dalvin Cook because I think Cook sees the benefit of getting into camp early and getting himself ready. Hopkins is a guy whose reputation is he doesn't like to practice. So why not wait two, three, four weeks? Maybe somebody gets injured. Maybe somebody ends up being not as effective as they were supposed to be because he's waiting for another team to drive up the offer that the Titans and the Patriots have made. So I think it's going to be Cook before Hopkins. Andrew Luck, Hall of Famer, question mark. God, no. I mean, I know it's slow now. I mean, I, I saw wait, that. Wait, wait, wait. Who brought this up? There's a there's an NFL Rookie Watch Twitter account that just kind of dropped it out there. Oh, his first six seasons were insane and, you know, Hall of Fame eligible in 2024. Well, we are too, but we ain't getting in and he ain't getting in. So, I mean, it just – it's uh, – it's his prerogative to walk away. But do we look at the quarterbacking position the way we did the running back position with Terrell Davis and Gail Sayers? Well, but Terrell Davis won a Super Bowl and Gail, or two, and Gail Sayers had rare, unprecedented talent. The problem with the quarterback position is there's so many great ones. I mean, if Andrew Luck gets in, Phillip Rivers is in, it's a no-brainer. Eli Manning, it's a no-brainer. He's getting in anyway because his last name's Manning and he's got two Super Bowl wins. But, you know, you could look at aspects of his career and say it's a closer call than it should be. But if Andrew Luck gets in, look at all the guys currently playing who have a better case right now than Andrew Luck. So I don't think Andrew Luck would want to get in. I think he's sufficiently self-aware to realize that's part of the price of walking away at the front end or smack dab in the middle of your prime. He chose to not play. Why would he expect? I don't think he'd ever expect to be in the Hall of Fame. He could still come back, I guess, and put enough more years on paper to get into the Hall of Fame. But based on what he did before he chose to retire, it's, I think it's one thing. to have, And he could say, well, his, his career was shortened by injury. And maybe it was. But still, he chose to walk away when he could have kept playing. And, and I, don't, I don't know how you get rewarded with a bronze bust for doing that. And at that position where it's about numbers – I don't know if you could have a scenario. Could somebody create a body of work in six years, first six years, that they got injured and weren't able to play again, that the voters would look at that and say, you know what, Hall of Fame worthy? If you win Super Bowls, if you win Super Bowls, there there are people in the Hall of Fame that wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame but for their Super Bowl wins. Lynn Swan would not be in the Hall of Fame but for his role 
with the Steelers, four Super Bowl teams, and his performance in Super Bowl X, which showed us all the way the wide receiver position could be played if the ball is put in the air more often. And I'm sure that was part of this process where we've seen the game evolve toward the pass. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, let's say Lamar Jackson won two Super Bowls and then his career ended. He got injured. He's in. Okay. In. okay. I think getting the Super Bowls is in. That's why Terrell Davis made it. The Super Bowl victories put you on a higher level than than just being great in the regular season. Is Russell Wilson a Hall of Famer right now? Well, no. I mean, you could make the argument he's got a better chance of getting in if he would retire now than if he keeps playing. Because as he keeps playing, <laughs> yeah. if he struggles like he did last year, that drags him down. And it makes it harder. It takes away from the resume he'd already put together. Shereen Williams, who's one of the Hall of Fame voters, made the point late in Eli Manning's career. He's running the risk of hanging around so long, it's going to disqualify him from the Hall of Fame because he's going to have too many bad years on the back end of his good years. Now, I think Russell Wilson's got the potential to be like Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner had that donut hole the the year he was with the Giants and, and his final years with the Rams. It, it dipped, but then he picked it up again. But I still think Russell Wilson's done enough already to get there. The question is, does he diminish himself with his play this year and beyond? That's going to be the real yeah, question. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I would keep him out of the Hall of Fame just for the Subway sandwich commercial. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, the first time I saw it, Mike, I thought somebody accidentally aired something that shouldn't have been on TV where he's just chewing on a sandwich and talking to you. And I go, this cannot be real. I thought it was a bit. I thought it was like some SNL thing where they got him to do something that was supposed to be funny. It was so unintentionally hilarious. Mike, thanks for joining us from your vacation. Good seeing you, Dan. All right, that's Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live co-host. You know, I was given Mike grief to the Danettes. I'm going, how does Florio think this topic is worthy? Andrew Luck, Hall of Famer, question mark. And then we find out that Florio didn't come up with that. Somebody else did. He just commented on that. Yes, Paulie. Yeah, Andrew Luck played six seasons and had three very good seasons. Like 2014, he had 40 touchdowns, 16 picks. 2016, 31 touchdowns, 13 picks. And his last year was probably his most efficient season. He was 39 touchdowns, 4,600 yards, 15 picks. Yeah, he's not a Hall of Famer. No, he never was never an All-Pro. If he had won one Super Bowl and then retired. Had to retire. If he had. Yeah. See, he, it, if he walked away, I don't, I mean, I'm sure that he's, he had a lot of injuries, but he walked away as opposed to he was told that he can't play football anymore. You know, Kirby Puckett, after 10 years, uh, he had lost the sight in one of his eyes after getting hit. And he was, to, he was told he couldn't play baseball again. And then he became a Hall of Famer because those 10 years were great years. And he won a couple of World Series titles. Yes, Paul. Calvin Johnson of Detroit, he retired at age 30. He had five monster seasons. And then about three okay seasons. And then he walked away. Walked away right? by choice. Yeah. And he got in. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. See- All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces, like there was the hat, there was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the, I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship? It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini-games, like digging for treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win, or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on.
Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. He says that he would rather find out why Bill Belichick benched Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl than he would... The JFK assassination. It's this close. It's that close? Yeah. Okay, what is the greatest unanswered question in sports history? Paulie? I would like to know if the NBA fixed the draft with Patrick Ewing because if they did, they're geniuses, okay. and I almost applaud them for it. All right. Uh, I, I, they've discussed it. David Stern, you talked to him about it. I could see it happening. If you're a league, remember, you, do, you don't, you didn't talk to David Stern too long about that topic. No. Just letting you know, you you made like a joke about it, and he joked back with you, and then the topic was broached. Yeah, but it was you weren't you didn't ask. Did you do it, Todd? The greatest unanswered sports question of all time. Maybe if they would have called a foul on Jordan for that little push off with uh, Brian Russell, how that would have changed him. Not his uh, that's reputation. The greatest. That's, I didn't know you were going to ask me, so that's what it came up. With. <laughs> but going going back to the eighty five thing with Ewing. The NBA was not the powerhouse it was. You know, I, I could see it. Jordan didn't I, really push off, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't have to. Seton, you already have yours. Marvin, greatest unanswered sports question in history is? I got to think about it. We just talked about <laughs> this during the commercial break. Why are you surprised? I know you're going to ask us. <laughs> what if C-Web didn't call that timeout that they didn't have? Hey. That's not a mystery. That's, That's not, not a mystery. No, mystery. It's a, right. you don't get the question at oh, all. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, the greatest unanswered sports question of all time might be Michael Jordan, why he went to play baseball. Oh, that's a good one. Dang. Fantastic. That, Frank, that's why you're you, Dan. Yep, that's Frank, I saw you. the uh, Nets studio host and uh, contributor to Around the Horn, pardon the interruption, and uh, Sirius XM NBA Radio, the starting lineup. Frank, the greatest unanswered sports question in history is? Oh, ask, ask your folks, because before you came on, they asked me, and that was the one I came up with also. I said, Michael Jordan leaving for those two years. What exactly was the reason? And does Chicago, and you and I were around during that run, I believe they absolutely win those two championships. And maybe Michael Jordan would have won eight in a row. And one other thing okay. about the, you guys both mentioned, I had to laugh about the frozen envelope that might have been put in uh, dry ice, the whole thing. I remember doing a story when I was at the Daily News because the Knicks were back in the lottery for the first time in a long time. And I got David Stern on the phone and I asked him two questions about the frozen envelope. And on the second one, he said, I think we should move on, Frank, before you keep continuing to accuse me of a felony. <laughs> you know, D David Stern had that way about him. I said, yeah. yes, sir. And <laughs> I moved on to something else. <laughs> um, do you think there will ever be a 30 for 30 on Michael Jordan 
and why he really went to play baseball? Or do you think there's going to be an expose on that, that he really went to play baseball because he was burned out with basketball and he wanted to do this because his dad always wanted him to try to play baseball? Yeah. And I always think with these things, it's never just one thing. It's even when guys step away from coaching or from playing. I think his dad uh, passing away probably had something to do with maybe he really was worn down. Maybe he was in trouble with the league over something. It is funny. During the um, the great, the last dance, the, they did address it a bit. And they just, you know, the, the rumor out there that maybe he was going to get in trouble for gambling. And instead of being suspended, he said, you know what? I'm just going to walk away for a while. And they asked four people about it. It was a Brian McIntyre, who was David Stern's right-hand man, David Falk, Michael Jordan, and I believe David Stern was asked about it, too. I think those would be the only four people in the world that would know the real story, and all four of them said, you're crazy. If you think He just decided to walk away. Now, I always was convinced those were the only four people that know the true story. What do you think happened? I think he was a little worn down. I think, you know, being Michael Jordan probably got to him a little bit. Maybe he wanted another challenge. You know, he had been spoken to about some of his ties to, you know, who was the gambler that he played golf with. And maybe he said, you know what, I'm getting tired of being questions about this stuff. You guys see how the league survives without me for a year. And maybe, <laughs> again, I think it might have been a number of factors. Last night at the ESPYs, it's the greatest night in sports because you work at ESPN and yes. you're supposed to uh, love the ESPYs. Here is uh, a portion of LeBron James' speech. LeBron James' speech. Everything to the game still. <laughs> Truth is, I've been asking myself this question at the end of the season for a couple years now. I just never openly talked about it. I don't care how many more points I score or what I can or cannot do on the floor. The real question for me is, can I play without cheating this game? The day I can't give the game everything on the floor is the day I'll be done. Lucky for you guys, that day is not today. Okay, why is this a celebration? Who thought LeBron was going to retire? Nobody did. Okay. But he gave us a story for like a day. And in the <laughs> moments right after you lose a playoff game, guys say things that a week, two weeks, a month later don't really hold true. And let's remember something as well. All there was was talk about him playing eventually one day with his son. His son is going to be at USC this year. If he stays one year, then LeBron will have a chance to play with him two years down the road. After talking about playing with his son all this time, yeah. you get eliminated by Denver, and he decides in that moment, I'm done. No one ever believed that. No one believed it for a moment. The thing, too, is, though, when he said cheating the game, I think the players today, so they look at it a little bit different. I think LeBron knows at his age and the way that he plays and to stay healthy, he could probably give you 60 solid games during the regular season. Someone has got to take care about the other 20 to 22, and then I'll see you in the playoffs. That's the issue now. How can the Lakers survive without LeBron? Because you figure the days of him playing 70 games, I think, are over. It's probably more in the 60 range right now. But I'm also wondering this. Does LeBron stay if he is not the number one option? Or I mean, Anthony Davis should be the number one option, but he has, you know, Failed in doing that. Yeah. Could, could I think he I think he wants Anthony Davis to be the number one option. That's kind of part of the problem. You watch the way the guy played during the playoffs. I'm talking about LeBron. Mm. He was still a dominant force. You know, it's amazing on the one hand that at his age he could still do this, but I think there's part of him that says, come on, guys, somebody else needs to do this. Let me be part of it. Every once in a while I'll have a great game. Because even when they were winning some of those playoff games, it wasn't like LeBron was giving you the 38-point triple-double, he was still playing well enough. He was still makes those around him better, but he still needs a little bit of help here at this age. Yeah, but I wonder, could he be a second or third option? Like, would his ego allow that to happen? Because he's become a jump shooter. You know, yeah. he, he doesn't want the wear and tear of going to the hoop anymore. It's He is settling for jumpers, and he's not a good jump shooter. But I wonder, you know, Anthony Davis could be the first option. They're not going to have a second option, but I wonder if he could get into that role of, like Chris Bosh did in Miami. Exactly. Where he became a third option for the betterment of the team. You know, if if he went to, let's say, for argument's sake, he went to a place like Denver, I think he, he would certainly work in an ensemble cast there with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Maybe he'd be the second option if he ever made it 
to the Golden State Warriors. I think at this stage he would, and he certainly would, if that team had gets his son, Bronny, and then LeBron wants to play there. If LeBron went to a team with already that dominant number one guy. Do you really think, I think he's right, going to play on a team with his son? I think, you know, you hear Brian Windhorst talk about it all the time. I think LeBron still wants to win a title, but I think the thing that makes it would make it unique for him is to play with his son. Because remember, he's probably not going to get the six titles that Michael had, but he's got the all-time scoring record. And now he could do something that Michael never got to do. You're going to play with his son professionally. You know, we still talk about when Ken Griffey Sr. played with Ken Griffey Jr., how incredible that was for LeBron to be able to do that, to have that kind of staying power. But part of it, too, is that's LeBron's dream. What is his son's dream? I know this, Dan. His son is going to make about four to five, six million dollars in NIL at USC. Yeah. It's kind of a nice life being on the USC campus. His son might look around and say, you know what? This might be better than just being at the end of somebody's bench in the NBA. Maybe I'll stick around USC for a while. How do you think this plays out with uh, Miami and Portland with Dame? I think it eventually will happen. I love the fact that Joe Cronin has to come out and remind everyone. We get it. Pat Riley's great. He's the godfather. And the Miami Heat fans are all crazy. They think Damian Lillard should have been traded there a week ago. And you have the people in the media and NBA players think that Damian Lillard should get just get whatever he wants. Well, Joe Cronin, his best interest is the Portland Trailblazers. And guess what? He's allowed to want to do what's best for Portland and get a good deal for them. No one knows Joe Cronin. So the first move that he's ever really going to make that people are paying attention to is trading one of the most popular players, if not the most popular player in franchise history. Is he allowed to get a good deal back for him? Or is it just about making Damian Lillard happy, the Miami Heat fan base happy, and Pat Riley happy? Like It'll happen at some point, but it's complicated, Dan. It's probably going to include multiple teams. When you do that, these trades uh, tend to take a while. I know you spent time at the Summer League, and... I always like to see what competition you're facing. So Victor Wambayama, I think we were looking at him. We weren't necessarily looking at the competition. It was just him. He was yep. sort of the only guy out there, even though there were nine other players on the floor. The biggest question that you still have about Victor Wambayama is what? Well, I would think physically, can he hold up? Because Chet Holmgren, who has been dominant in summer league, it's his second year in the league. He missed all of last season. He got hurt playing that pro-am out in Seattle. So that, to me, would be the big thing. You know, physically, can he hold up well enough? Because th- the first game that he played, you know, he he was not good offensively. Why people just couldn't say that? It doesn't mean that he's not going to be a good player. Yeah. doesn't mean that he's a bust. But I just found it weird that he everyone was trying. We, there's a million excuses why he didn't play that well. He's 19. He just finished a season in the French League. All the attention, the pressure, maybe the Britney Spears thing had something to do with the sold-out crowd. But let's acknowledge that he didn't have a good game offensively. Defensively, he was pretty good, and then he had a good bounce-back game on Sunday, and then they decided to shut him down. I know this. Greg Popovich, who usually during summer league is hanging out, I think he's got a house up in Maine. He was there for both of Victor Wembanyama's games, so clearly it means something to Greg Popovich, enough so that he got a five-year contract extension as well. If they got Scoot Henderson and not Victor Wembanyama, is Greg Popovich signing a five-year contract? I don't think he is. I don't think he is. And that's why – and. You know this. When you look at the teams that were going to be in the lottery, I kept thinking he's either going to go to Orlando, who always seems to get a center, Shaq and Dwight Howard, or the Rockets, if you, you know, Ralph Sampson, Akeem, Yao Ming, or he's going to go to San Antonio, the team that always gets lucky, David Robinson, Tim Duncan. Sure enough, it ends up being the San Antonio Spurs. And I think you're right. I think that Greg Popovich looks at it as a challenge. Remember how many people had said, Greg Popovich will leave when Tim Duncan leaves. Tim Duncan's been out of the league a long time, and Greg Popovich still is just signed a five-year deal, so he's not giving up anytime soon. Good to talk to you, Frank. Thanks for joining us, as always. Good seeing you, Dan. Take care. Frank Isola, Nets studio host and contributor to Around the Horn, and pardon the interruption. Jeff in Tampa joins us. Hi, Jeff. What's on your mind today? Oh, yeah. Uh, DP, I have the same uh, kind of question as Frank. I was wondering why the uh, NBA players – how do they have the owners over the barrel where the other guys don't? Like, where he's saying, just trade me to uh, Miami. Like, I don't understand why the owner can't be like, no, I'm going to trade you to Minnesota. You're 33 with, what, $200 million left under contract. I mean, he's not going to sit out. I don't understand why the NBA guys have that power over the owners and the other guys don't in the other leagues. And uh, just real quick, I know you guys are saturated with it, um, but um, with uh, Victor Wembanyama nicknames, I mean, the best you guys had was the escargot. I mean, he, he shoots threes. He tickles the twine, the French tickler. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. 
I like the French chais. Escargot was great. That was a Paulie suggestion there. Uh, you know, players have asked out. Players have said, I want to go one place. But I agree with what the Blazers are doing. Hey, we'll eventually get around to this. We're trying to do what's best for both. Dame was wonderful for this franchise, but we can't give him away. We have to get something in return. Yeah, Seaton. Yeah, why, why do we tend to look at things as like who has control and then who's forcing their way rather than, to me, it seems perfectly reasonable that the Blazers and Dame could like come to the table and be like, let's find a way to make us both happy. Where it's not just, well, we're in control, so you're going to Minnesota because that's where we get the best deal. I, I don't know that it has to be that contentious. Well, does it? it doesn't. But Dame put the Blazers in a really delicate situation. Hey, we want to do what's best for us, but we want to take care of you as well. Yeah. And when he says, I'm only going to Miami, well, if you're Miami, then you're in a great position. You're like, he wants to come here. Hey, we're going to offer you this. And that's all we're going to offer you. Then you don't want to disgruntle Dame Lillard going back to Portland. But then, as people have pointed out, is he going to ruin his reputation, stain his reputation? He's going to sit out. He doesn't want to play. You know, his birthday is what next week? Was he going to be 33? You know, he's got a window of opportunity here that he's said to the Blazers, My window of opportunity is not here. Send me to Miami. But if I'm, I mean, Pat Riley is a shrewd operator. What's he going to give up? Because he's not going to overpay for Dame Lillard. Yeah, Paulie. I found a couple articles that say Damian Lillard does not have a no trade clause in his contract. No, yeah, that's true. And then, uh, but if he would have given a list of four teams, then you can, you can, you know, four teams, Miami. But he my doesn't favorite. want to go to the other teams. But, mm, if so I could give you four, it, it's like, hey, there's four, four women you could date, but I only want to date that one. Yeah, but there's four of them. No, that, that's the one I want to date. That's what he wants to do. Don't put up these other you know, teams because he doesn't want to go there. Now, maybe he will go, I, I don't want to stay in Portland. He wants a chance to win, play meaningful games. Philadelphia, to me, would have been interesting. but you know, Or Boston. But he didn't want to go to Boston. Yes, Mark. Why has Portland been on the like rebuilding path, by the way? Well, I don't know if it was by design. I think it's uh, you're not winning, and they keep getting draft picks, high draft picks, and you were waiting for that maybe. I mean, you know, C.J. McCollum, they traded him. And when they traded him to New Orleans, um, some of those first-round picks haven't been great. Haven't, But I, I do think they have a nucleus here, but they're probably two or three years away, maybe two years away. If Scoot Henderson is who we think he is, uh, Sharp is really good. Simons. So you you have three right there that are pretty good players or the potential to be pretty good players. Now can I get something else over the next two years? Free agents, another draft pick, and then maybe we could build something here. Yeah, Paul. Since they drafted Lillard in 2012, they've only had one top 10 draft pick. They're always good. You know, so they, would ne- they were never picking in the lottery after he got there. They're always competitive. They're always picking in the... From 15 to 25. And Dame actually hurt them by yeah. keep keeping them too competitive. <laughs> if he had been more of a team player, he wouldn't have been so good, so they could have gotten... It's really, it's only he, he has to blame himself okay. for right. why he doesn't oh, have any good wow. team. He should have had a nice back injury season, right. and they could have tanked. Exactly. Like a pro. Thanks uh, a lot, Dame. Yeah, okay. Easy with their good playing for decades. The greatest <laughs> sports mystery of all time. The greatest unanswered question in sports history. Open phone America. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. 
Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller. It would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you can also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachenko Machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Last call for phone calls. What we learned, what's in store tomorrow? Oh, the logo. Jerry West will join us on the program. DraftKings. As which NFL team will have the most regular season wins? Uh, yeah, this isn't any fun. It's the Chiefs. Um, Eagles are in there. Uh, let's see. The odds that DeAndre Hopkins is going to join the Titans? Uh, plus 500 yesterday. He uh, moved to minus 300. So DeAndre Hopkins and the Titans... Looks like that's uh, going. Patriots are second, then it's the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. And that's about it as far as uh, gambling goes. Odds go. By the way, we were talking about, Todd was talking about if he was able to get a hall pass from his wife. And uh, if he was in Dublin, he goes, uh, my wife was listening to that segment with our son in the car. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, how'd that go over? It didn't go poorly. She basically sent me a text saying, uh, even if I give you a whole pass, um, you're all talk. Nothing would happen. Well, I've been challenged. Well, let's prove her wrong, Todd. (laughs) Yeah. You get over Dublin all of a sudden. It sounds like that the whole pass is it. She's basically saying no one's going to be interested and you're you're not going to be able to pull that off. And if you're able to, good luck. I, I, I can is that how you read it, or is that what she said? <laughs> I, I took it as a challenge. Hey, you know, go for yours if you uh, can get uh, it. Okay. All right. What it if could she, be very mistaken. What if your wife wants a hall pass? Oh, that's a whole other story. Yeah, I guess it has to work both no, ways. No, yes, it works both ways. Yeah, I don't like that. Okay. Let's probably pull the plug on that whole uh, We have a running backs quiz. Um, I'm not sure where it came from, but I always love a good running back quiz. We were talking about the uh, answer is Walter Payton. Oh, ah, dang it! All right, moving on. <laughs> How did we get on the running backs kick? We, we were, were talking about Saquon and getting paid. Oh yeah, that's right. And guys who were a bit underrated. Yeah, and I said that uh, Ricky Waters might be the most underrated running back. He may be one of the answers here. Oh, okay. All right, here we go. There are 21 running backs in NFL history that have produced seven 1,000-yard seasons, 1,000 or more. Of those 21, there are only nine who had seven 1,000-yard seasons and and 400 receptions in their career. That meant they were all-purpose backs. And long careers, great careers. Can you name any of the nine? Well, there there are nine, so there's six of the nine that are Hall of Famers. That yes. means we have to name the three who aren't Hall of Famers. I'll give you the Hall of Famers. So Ricky want. Waters is one of the three that's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Emmett Smith, Emmett Smith, Curtis Martin, Walter Payton, Tomlinson, Hawk, and Edron James all have seven 1,000-yard seasons and at least 400 receptions. All right. Yes, Todd. No, I had Marshall Falk for one of the Hall of Famers. I was going to go Wilbert Montgomery for the, one of the three that have, has not. Incorrect, but no. not, not bad. Uh, yes, Marv. I'm going to say Roger Craig. I don't think he had seven 1,000-yard seasons. No, he always would have like you know eight 900 yeah. yards. He okay. did not make it. So one of the answers is Ricky Waters. There's two more. Uh, Taylor from Jacksonville? No, he didn't have enough, but he's right on the cusp Fred, of that. Fred Taylor? One of these guys is considered a compiler. The other had a great career, but the team didn't do a ton. Mm. Yeah, Marv. Frank Gore? Frank Gore is correct. Oh, Nine 1,000-yard oh, seasons That's and 484 tough. catches. Okay. Right. This guy, oh, man, great running back. Had him on the show a few times. We actually ran into him at a football game once. Hint for the Not game. on the field. No. Like we didn't run into no, him thank God at no. a game. Okay. Uh, Eddie George. Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson. Oh, wow. That's a big guy. Eight 1,000-yard seasons. That's a big dude. Yeah, it is a big dude. That's a big dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dorsey in Utah. Hey, Dorsey. Hello. Hey, Doris. Hello. How are you? Great. Hey, uh, yeah, I'm the the bartender guy that you talked to about about, uh, the Michael Jordan thing, and it's a combination of both. It was a combination of our crappy food and the fact that they were partying. So it is kind of an A and a B kind of thing out of that situation. Okay, so Dorsey, how do you confirm? Can you confirm anything with... uh, with uh, I mean, I can't confirm it. It was a place called Lakota that doesn't exist anymore. But I've been to since day one, since the next day when they started talking about the flu game, I was like, no way. They were partying. My boss who owned the place, a guy named Jerry Rubaki, he was partners with Jim Lampley. So he and his buddies, you remember in the, the, in the thing, in the, the last day, Documentary. Jordan says, yeah, but goes, says a bunch of guys showed up. That was my, the owner and his buddies thinking that they were going to get in on the poker game somehow, that they were going to be able to just slide in because they knew Lampley. So they delivered food, and the food that he, the seafood pizza that he ate, if you'd have asked me what not to eat in that restaurant back then, I would have told you don't ever eat the seafood pizza. Yeah. But who else was in there with Jordan? Uh, I think it was, from what I heard from the guys who, when they came back, it was pretty much a bunch of high rollers and a bunch of NBA players because they were staying right across the street from the place that we worked. Some guy from Pizza Hut tried to take a whole bunch of credit for it during the last dance. But, you know, Pizza Hut never had a a seafood pizza. They didn't have a crappy shrimp pizza like we did. (laughs) And it was was directly across the street. Yeah, thank you. I got breaking news. Yeah, thank you. Uh, (laughs) Dorsey, are you a Florida State fan? 
I am. I'm the guy that you yeah, got. You okay. told me, uh, yes, I am that guy too. Okay, <laughs> I just wanted to remember, I think I was giving you grief about Florida State football when I was in there. You were. You uh, You said a certain word that we can't say on the air <laughs> twice to me about Florida State University. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for calling in, Dorsey. All right. Yeah, I, I went to uh, the distillery and uh, was at the bar. And next thing I know, I'm talking football, and then we talked Michael Jordan, and he was telling me what happened that night. So it wasn't Pizza Hut because they don't do seafood pizza, apparently. <laughs> we didn't yeah. have a crappy yeah. shrimp pizza like we did. <laughs> Breaking news. Solving a mystery. Uh, this day in sports history, Paulie. Got a couple. Uh, first World Cup in Uruguay. Not Uruguay. Uruguay. Ur- 1982 All-Star Game was played outside the United States. It was played in? Anyone? Montreal, Canada. Montreal. And uh, who sang Ooh. Oh Canada before the All-Star Game in Baltimore's Camden Yards in 1995? One of the most angelic voices of all time. Michael Bolton? Getty Lee of Rush. (laughs) Back to you, Dan. Todd, what'd you learn today? Lucky for us, surprise, LeBron James will be continuing his basketball career. Seton O'Connor. LeBron is coming back. Yeah. Marvin. Seton says Dame should blame himself. Uh, Paulie? Blue game mystery solved. What did I learn, Todd? Mike Florio says this is the first time a team did not want to participate in Hard Rocks, but got picked anyway, New York Jets. And Hard Knocks, too. I say hard rocks. Get fired up for epic <laughs> meals. Traeger portable grills for the upcoming tailgate season. The new ironwood grill loaded with enhanced features. You're going to love it. The flat rock, flat top grill. You're going to love it. Traeger grills making wood fired flavor easy. Have a great day, everybody. It's Freddie Prince Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.